This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott, Dan, and Zeta are making it fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're going to keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh, yeah. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic episode of your fabulous learning nerds. I'm Scott Chudy, your host. You knew that. Um, our co-host is here. You knew that as well. You love him. Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh, yeah. Dan. What's up, Scott? How you doing? Well, if I have to be honest. Feeling that way! Yeah, feeling pretty good. Yeah, for sure. How are you doing, Dan? Uh, You know what? Normally, I would go fair to Midland, but today I'm doing pretty fantastic. Wow! story i'm sorry i kind of knew you were going to do something like that so i came prepared today which is really awesome yeah yeah for sure. how was your week ben busy but good i think that's like i think that's everybody's week like uh you know i'm talking to friends i'm connecting with people and everybody's like i'm like how you doing like, oh i'm so busy i'm so busy it's good but i'm busy and uh definitely in the past couple of weeks i've been like oh this is what you mean like man so busy, but good. Yeah, I'd rather be busy than not busy. Not busy is no fun. That's true. The alternative is bad. Yeah, lots of <laughs> shenanigans occur when you're not so busy. But I... That's true. When I get bored, I get mischievous. So it's oh, good that yeah, I'm busy. For sure. Well, I already knew that about you, which is great. Cool. <laughs> I also know someone who's equally as busy. You love her. The Duchess of Design. Zeta's in the house, everyone. Zeta. Howdy. What's up, Z girl? Uh, so much. I think along with side with Dan, uh, it's been busy. It's uh, my life is full and it's been good. Full is good. Um, too much cookies being full is bad. That was me yesterday. <laughs> just why I'm a little tired today, but that's okay. That's fine. That's not a problem. Because of the lack of cookies today. <laughs> you just need more. That's all you need. Did you guys ever like get to like totally like famished for sugar? Like the sugar bud bug is just oh my gosh yes i would like some sugar please that was me i had none in the house because i'm smart it's like me all the time because if that was there it'd be gone it'd be totally gone and so yeah i think that's a really good thing i didn't but i don't know after i may have to run down to the gas station and find my go-to snack when i'm famished what's your go-to snack when you're famished zeta Uh, actually apples and peanut butter i'm pretty basic 
That is actually very good for you and healthy. Um, shame on you for saying something like that. You terrible, no but if you take a, in the show. I know, oh, so come on. Boring. If you take a gala apples <laughs> and you put them in the fridge, they're quick and easy. They're cold, especially during summer. It's great. You cut them up into little slices, dip it in some peanut butter. And if mm. you want some honey, you can put it in there. And yeah, it's really nice. It. It's really nice. Dan, go to snack. I like how you said honey like it was a secret it or is- a bad thing. <laughs> like, you know, or you could put some put some honey on this terribly unhealthy snack of Apples and peanut butter. Yeah. Uh, I, I I like uh, real snacks <laughs> and uh, uh, waffles. Waffles, I think, are right now. in it, Right now, it's okay. waffles. It changes, but we're definitely right. in waffle now, season. There is too much prep in a waffle <laughs> as a snack because I have to get a toaster, right? Because you can't microwave those. They're no, no good. Yeah, no, that's true. You got you to gotta make them or you got to. You're not you eating gotta, them frozen. You got to you? toast them. No, yes, that would be gross. Yeah. Be gross. Mm-hmm. Waffles. Now, you, do you put the syrup on the waffle, or do you do like ch- we wimp? Yes, yes. I've got I've got uh, some actual maple syrup that a friend gave me that I saved just for waffling. And sometimes when I'm feeling extra fancy, I'll put some bacon on there too. I thought I was gonna be out there with my um, store bought rice crispy treat. Not the not the one with the elves on it. That's nice, but that's just too much preservatives in it it's the one that they make and buy from somebody yeah like the real big thick square dude yeah, yeah. that's great but it's yeah. I, I got nothing you got waffles man you're like all over like i'm done i'm having a sugar coma thinking about it rice krispie treats are great but i like rice krispie treats with like too much marshmallow like rice krispie treats are great but man like you got to get so much marshmallow in there. You're like, it's almost too much. That's right, everybody. Our snack show. Um, this is this is great. Hey, I do want to make a quick little introduction. We've added uh, somebody behind the scenes. You won't hear too much from him, uh, but he's going to be doing more for the show. So uh, some of you may have the opportunity to interface with our new man in the chair, everyone. Just a quick round of applause and a little intro for Sam Van Tessel, everybody. Sam. Hi, how's it going? That's going pretty good. What's your favorite snack, Sam? <laughs> um, that's a tough one. Um, I would probably say I- I'm a someone that goes for the savories more than I do the sweets. Oh, wow. Okay, like, cool. I can't really just sit there and, like, have something sweet, but, like... If you put potato chips in front of me, there's this mistakes are going to be made on my part. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, you know if you're if you're tuning into this show and uh, you know you happen to want to ask a question to uh, one of our one of our online sections, you know you might be have the chance to talk to me. I'll be grabbing some timestamps of the show. I got one for the uh, rant on Rice Krispie Treat, so I look forward to seeing that online. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but for the most part, I'm going to be back here behind the scenes, but if you need me, all you got to do is, uh, play that little intro and, uh, I will suddenly appear like magic, like magic, the man in the shadows, the shadow knows. <laughs> That's why he's the voodoo child. Voodoo child. There's yes. no D on that song, by the way, voodoo child was supposed to be. I could talk all night long about Jimi Hendrix. Quick trivia for Jimi Hendrix. I'm going to let uh, Sam go. 
Um, where, um, where did Jimmy get his start? He played guitar for whom? Oh, bu- 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 I'm going to save this answer for our guest. She may know. I'm, I'm going to give her a shot at it. Okay, that's fine. Kick it down the can. Okay, great. We'll kick it down the can. Great trivia to throw out at a party. You'll sound really smart. So, listen, we have a fantastic guest with us tonight. we got a great topic for you tonight, and it's not about food. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get to know all about her in a little segment that we call What's Your Deal? Hey, man. What's your deal? Kelly. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? What's your deal, my friend? I uh, I got to opt out in the Jimi Hendrix question. Can I do a swap for like the snacks question instead? We're going to give you both. So you, you don't know who Jimi Hendrix played guitar for when he started uh, yeah. out. And being being from Seattle, I'm pro- that's probably like really a bad thing. No, it's so not. I, we won't tell okay. anybody, don't worry. It's being broadcast. <laughs> um, he played guitar for a, 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 um, a young man named Little Richard. If you ever knew who Little Richard was, that's where he got his start. So, oh. yeah, I know, right? So, a little, uh, little trivia there for everybody. This is great. Okay. So, um, favorite snack, Callie. Favorite snack. Favorite snack. Okay. When I'm famished, I love. For all my dairy lovers out there, I love cheese. I love snack cheese. So like string cheese, little Tillamook square. Shout out to Tillamook, West Coast. Um, yes. I am a huge fan of Cheez-Its and goldfish crackers. Those are probably like my snack foods. Oh, and really crunchy grapes. Oh, my gosh. I just want to Heck say yeah. real quick, Tillamook extra sharp cheddar is like my favorite cheese. Callie, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, how you got to uh, be with us tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So um, I'm going to tell you the beginning of the story, which is my uh, love for L&D. So I started in retail stores with a big time wireless carrier back in like 2006. And I knew almost immediately that I wanted to be in the training department at this company. Um, So about five years in, I was sort of poached, if you will, by a different company, one of their partners, and brought into a role that was like this hybrid between constant training facilitation, and then coaching leadership behaviors. And then uh, also kind of that account management, like building relationships to like, try and inspire sales results, right? It was basically my dream role at the time. Um, And, you know, for the majority of, of my career, really. Um, and it only deepened my my love for learning and development. What I uh, didn't know is that the company that I worked for had a super robust training organization that included facilitation experts, uh, but also instructional design, content development, training innovation, uh, and of course, coaching and uh, leadership development. So um, when the opportunity presented itself to, to move into this learning organization, I jumped at the chance and I got to tell you, I think it changed my life. So I, I, I uh, actually left the corporate workforce uh, just this last year because life happens. Um, and it was the first opportunity for me to think about what it was that I really wanted to do that felt deeply fulfilling. So in a, a moment of sharing vulnerability or being vulnerable with your audience, I uh, 
you know, I had a lot of feelings of self-doubt and I still have a lot of them because, you know, I'm not in this workforce that I was in for so long. Uh, but I, um, you know, I, I felt like I was applying to roles nonstop. I feel like this is so relevant right now. Everybody's applying to all these roles and, uh, you know, feeling discouraged and denied left and right. And um, I said, I don't want to subscribe to it anymore. I don't want to be a part of it. So I opted out and I said, screw it. I'm, uh, I'm investing in what feels good and what feels fulfilling, which, uh, you know, led me down a path of coaching and leadership development. And, um, you know, I had a little bit of a moment of coaching the coach, which is myself, the coach in the mirror. And I said, let it begin with me. So uh, my mission out here is to, you know, help professionals and uh, leaders become the the people or the leaders that they've always aspired to be in and find the courage to do the work that they want to do. I love that. Heck yeah. Like definitely we need more coaches out there because when it comes to coaching, it's usually overlooked, but it's one of the invaluable ways of making sure that development actually works. So yeah. And awesome. kudos to you for, you know, uh, doing your own thing. I think that's really, really important and inspiring. And I know you got a lot of really great stuff to talk about. And it's something we've been wanting to catch back up on for a while, but I just said, Hey, I know Kelly wants to talk about it. So thanks for coming in. Um, really looking forward to it. And with that, everybody, let's go ahead. And uh, without further ado, let's dive into our topic of the week. Okay, today we're going to be talking about and coaching and leadership courage. So let's start off right at the top. Why, uh, Kelly, why is coaching so important? Yeah, I think when we're thinking about, you know, being at work and in a corporate environment, whether you're working, you know, in person or remotely, the most important role of a manager as a people leader is to develop your team. And you know, I got to say, like, as a people leader myself, it was kind of hard for me to believe that that was the most important thing, because I was asked to do so many tasks, and it felt like it was competing priorities. But um, I, I just want to set the record straight here, no matter where you work, no matter what company you work for, if you're a manager of people, their career is in your hands, and your career is in theirs. And uh, you know, 100%. yeah, I mean, if you elevate the people around you, you're going to open doors for yourself and for all of that. So that, I, that's why I think it's important. Let me tell a quick story. This is a very true recent story. If I've said this before, I apologize. I thought it was just so mind blowing. So WD-40, the company WD-40, right? That has saved my but many times from squeaky stuff. Um, not too recently, <laughs> um, went and, um, Changed every title. So if you were a manager, senior manager, um, and you steward human capital, like we were going to go ahead and you had people below you, they made them all coaches, all of them. So you're a coach, you're a senior coach or whatever, to set the expectation for them as to what they were supposed to do. Um, and I thought that that was really, really great and really, really inspiring because I feel like you're right, Kelly, sometimes, you know, people work really hard and all of a sudden I have, uh, I have the opportunity and the honor of stewarding human capital. I got people below me. This is great. What do I do? I don't know. And, um, and, and things just kind of move along, but it's my experience and you could certainly talk to this, but 
your world changes, right? So no longer, in in my humble opinion, when you lead people, no longer are you just responsible for getting stuff done. Like, hey, my job today is to get stuff done. Your job really is to empower other people to get stuff done, right? Other people yeah. to grow and get better and get more stuff done. And those people that can do that um, really succeed. Um, but I'll also say that that's not easy. No, I think it takes... Um it takes a lot of introspection and emotional awareness to understand how you impact another person, right? And uh, the hope would be that you have leaders and people surrounding you that help build some of that. And I feel like in some spaces, people are lucky to have that. But in most, doing it in a way that's productive is often missed. You said uh, just like that emotional awareness, and I, I can't think of, at least for me as a leader, like how important that is. I remember so many books on like leadership and coaching, and so much of the focus was on like this building this sense of emotional detachment. And when I tried to be that leader, when I tried to be that coach, man, I sucked at it. It was awful. Uh, and so it just, for my own personal philosophy, my own personal like leadership and coaching style was like, to build that emotional attachment to, to root for the success of those who you said perfectly, whose careers are, are held in, in my hands who are depending upon me to open those doors and to, and to set them up for success. And a hundred percent, like having that awareness that like those people have an emotional attachment to you, you should definitely like be practicing that level of emotional awareness of what that means for you and for them. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what's so interesting about what I learned in not just my time in corporate world, world and leading the team, but in the relationships I've built with so many coaches that are out in the world today is that none of it matters. It doesn't matter if you are a people leader or not. If you don't foster a space of trust, if you don't show your cards and aren't, if you're not vulnerable with the people that you surround yourself with, I mean, I think psychological safety is a hot topic right now too, when it comes to being in the corporate environment. And, um, you know, if you can provide that, your teammates are going to open up. They're going to lend themselves to you. They're going to believe in, in the vision that you're helping to create for them. And so uh, everything that you said, Dan, is is so on point. And I think that all of that, creating that emotional awareness, creating that space of trust, that space of psychological safety and vulnerability and removing judgment, right? That's where uh, people development really happens. Yeah, 100%. Love that. So, you know, you mentioned, you talked earlier about this idea of um, coaching requires courage. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? I'm, I'm very interested to hear more about that. Uh, yes, I'm super passionate about this. So I, when I think about the term leadership courage, sometimes it feels kind of fluffy and different people have different you know, definitions for it. But leadership courage to me can show up in a few different ways. And I'll give you some examples or how I define it and some examples that go along with that. So leadership courage could be giving input or feedback in a group meeting in front of others in a way that 
productive and impactful, even if you don't always feel like it's your place. But like, you know that you're contributing to the problem if you just let it slide. So you have to lean into your convictions and, you know, you're concerned about risking your brand. But taking that stance, showing that level of leadership within you, whether you're a people leader or not, that's courage. I think another example would be giving feedback to your leader. If I am not getting the coaching and development and the feedback and the consulting from my leader that I need in order to grow, I have to go to my leader and have a tough conversation asking for that. I have to have courage to give them feedback that I need more from them. I have to have courage to have tough conversations with my leaders or, you know, senior stakeholders or C-suite clients right? And all of those conversations take courage. But I also think it shows up when you are a leader of people, you've got a team. And, you know, you have to share tough news with your team, like uh, having to make big changes to a project that everyone's been working so hard on, because you got some blindsided requests from, you know, your stakeholders, and you have to pivot or what might feel even more relevant right now to really basically all the people on LinkedIn because it's rampant at this point is how to muster up the courage and every last bit of energy that you have to maintain morale when talking to your team after a big layoff. All of those are moments of leadership courage. And sometimes if we don't spend time thinking about what we need to do to get the blockers out of the the way so that we can be courageous and can be vulnerable and can be transparent with our teams. If we don't invest that time, our teams start to lose trust in us, right? Uh, Our teams are less developed than they should be. Some of the important stuff that needs to be said doesn't get said. And I, I think it kind of makes us go backwards if we don't you know, build up that leadership courage. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%, yeah. Like I, you, you mentioned layoffs and having led teams affected and surrounded by layoffs before, like that conversation is one of those things where you're just like, okay, the next 35 minutes really going to suck. Let's jump in. Like it's got to, it's got to happen. It's got to be done. And if, if you're not the person framing that conversation, setting that conversation, answering those questions, they'll get those answers from somewhere else. They'll get that conversation somewhere else. And so, yeah, like just like buckling down and being like, it has to be done. And at the end of the day, like somebody has to hold the dollar and here I am. So that's, that's gotta be me. I love that. That's tough. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of things that I want to piggyback off on this. Number one, you really mentioned this idea of mentoring up, right? Or manner leading up. <laughs> hey, it's one thing to give feedback going down. Like that, that that's a challenge, right? It takes a little bit more to kind of go up. Like, hey, um, specifically you mentioned, like, hey, if I'm not getting what I need from my leader, I'm gonna have this conversation with like, hey, please, um, I could really use more or I could do more. Having those conversations I really uh think is important for us. Um I don't buy into this because I'm not that kind of leader, but people always say you own your own personal development. Okay. I, I I get it. I I totally get it. Right. Um, but as a leader of people, I, I don't buy into that at all. Like I own it. That's my job. Right. I'm going to try to people try to help people find that on their own. Right. So my question is, right. So you have that hard conversation you're mentoring up and you say, Hey, listen, I want to do different things and I want to, I want to, exercise more things and I need this and I need that. But if the Peter principle holds true, 
Whereas, you know, most people are being promoted two levels above their competency. Sometimes I'm mentoring up to somebody who isn't equipped, right, to go ahead and give me what I need. And that's where I think it's really important. I want you to talk a little bit about where do I go to get what I need, right? So if I'm not getting fed, right? So if that coaching relationship isn't there, who's feeding you? So Kelly, talk a little bit about that space, how what you do is really important, especially people like me who, or other people like me that, that might need more and need to get fed. Yeah, I, I think I'm thinking about your uh, question here in two ways. The first one is, if I'm not getting what I need from my leader, how do I have a conversation? And I have a, I have a, just a quick thought on that. And then we'll go into finding mentors and finding coaches. But um, sometimes it's hard to tell somebody what to do unless they're bought into it, right? Unless they believe you, unless they're sold on what, whatever it is that you're trying to share. And so if you go to your leader and you're saying, you say, hey, I'd love to get some feedback on this. And they're not giving you great feedback. You kind of got to, you know, kind of step up to the plate and, and think of a different way to approach it. And I would say that would be through thinking about what's in it for them, right? When we think about sales, when we think about uh, delivering information, uh, one of the key things to think about is what is in it for them. So, if I, Scott, am going to you as my leader and I need a little bit more from you, I, my thought or my approach might be, hey, I want to do the best that I can for for you and for the team and for whatever our objectives are, right? I would love your candid feedback. And I might challenge you and ask you deeper questions to better understand what I can do to contribute more or to help get this project across the finish line or to to do a better job than what I'm, I want in excels on my rating instead of just the strong. So let's help me get there because it helps you too. So that's one thought that I have. I think the next thought is the amount of mentors and coaches and people that you can go to is endless, right? There's, you don't have to say, oh, I've got a mentor or I've got a coach. I've got four coaches right now. I've got mentors you know, that I could go to that I've had for many years or a short period of time because they all have something to teach me, right? Or I all, they all have different approaches. And one of the things that I feel pretty strongly about, and I'm learning in my, my dedicated coaching journey now, is the difference between how I perceived coaching before versus what coaching is outside of a corporation. And that is, you know, I think internally in a company, there's a stigma against coaching. It's for when you do something bad. Uh, you know, it's for when you get some tough feedback. But true coaching is not necessarily reprimanding. True coaching is a space to discuss how to create an individual's success. Um, and you do that through asking, or the coach would do that through asking introspective questions and creating goals and a path and, and working with you to create a path that you know you can get behind that you're bought into one it could be one that aligns with the company's goals um and it has to be one that the individual who's being coached uh you know feels energized by 
right? So I just wanted to, to delineate the difference between what coaching is and should be versus sometimes the stigma of what coaching looks like internally, which in my opinion is more of like feedback and advisory, right? If I'm giving you hard feedback, that is separate from me fostering a space where I can help coach and develop you and the skills that you want to grow in. I love, I love that delineation. Uh, too often, I, when I look at like internal like company or corporation, like coaching, both the people receiving the coaching, coaching and sometimes the internal folks delivering the coaching, I, I feel that they, they just see coaching as a way of doing performance management. Like they're like, okay, I'm coaching to get you to this number. I'm coaching to get you to this goal, and then we're done coaching. Or if we're, or if we're continuing coaching, I'm coaching you to get you to the next number, the next goal. And like performance management is part of coaching. It lives inside of there, but it should not be the goal. Like coaching is its own goal. The you know the improvement of somebody, somebody being able to like grow and develop, and just become the best version of themselves isn't always about just chasing the next metric. Yeah, exactly. Like coaching isn't a Band-Aid. It's talent development. You know, it's it's growth. And it's helping to, you know, reach that handout and let people have that next step, or at least if they don't know that next step, to show them what's possible. I, that, I, that's going to be my email tagline. Coaching isn't a Band-Aid. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. You know, I think about, Coaching in a corporate setting is a it's probably a really good opportunity to make sure that like you and your teammate, if you're the coach or if you're being coached to or coached with, right? Uh, it's it's an opportunity for you to get aligned on whatever the objectives are. And if you're not aligned, right, find out why. This is, coaching opportunities is the time to find out why somebody is misaligned, right? And what we need to do to get them uh, aligned and and create some awareness around how it could be affecting their performance based on the performance that they want to have, right? Asking them what kind of performance they want to have and how that aligns with the goals and creating a plan together that helps get them there versus again, you know, you're not, you're not hitting these goals. Your performance is suffering because you're, you know, going in a different direction than the rest of us, right? I think we just have to pause and think about what the approach looks like. And how coaching, again, fosters a space of safety, no judgment, plans are co-created, everybody is on board. One of the things I think is important, you kind of touched on it, I'd want to give you some opportunity to expand on it, is this idea of psychological safety. Because I truly believe that most people want to do a good job. Right. So I didn't get up today thinking, ah, you know, today I'm thinking I'm just going to like phone it in and not do a good job. Right. Um, I also truly believe that most people um, want to be the 2.0 version of themselves. Like when I look in the mirror, I'm like, eh, there's some things I want to be better at today. Like I really want to. Um, how important is psychological safety to those evolutionary points? Like, getting the best out of people and inspiring them to be the 2.0 or 3.0 version of themselves. Why, why is that so important? Yeah, I think um, the number one theme that I'm seeing across 
all of the conversations with my clients lately has been about their relationship with their boss and the feel like as the feeling that they uh, are going to do something wrong and get in trouble. I mean, that's the opposite of psychological safety. And when that happens, you uh, kind of go backwards into your shell. You start um, withholding some of your expertise, some of the ways that you want to contribute. It uh, reduces motivation. And that is the getting up in the morning or it's the do I want to go above and beyond in this project, right? It could be either one of those. and. Um, yeah, I had, uh, I think we've all had bad leaders in the past, um, but I had a bad leader who uh, I think caused enough trauma to where I found that showing up. I found the way that I reacted to certain scenarios with new leaders. I found uh, some of that trauma showing up and how my, in some of my thought patterns on how to react or support or uh, get a specific job done in a new job that I loved with a different leader who was phenomenal. And um, I think a lot of people don't think about the impact that they have as leaders, uh, not only now, but how it impacts somebody later on. And um, so I think psychological safety is not just an immediate right in front of you, like what's happening today or tomorrow or this week. Psychological safety has ongoing either positive impacts or negative impacts, right? Um, so I guess I would just say, if you are a people leader, think about how you want to be treated and how you want to be led by your leader. Think about the brand that you want to have and the things that you want to be admired for and do those things. Do the things that lead to that. And in the same token, think about the things that made you feel judged or not safe. Or like you couldn't be vulnerable or like, or where you didn't have feelings of psychological safety. What were those actions and behaviors and how do you avoid those pitfalls entirely so that you can be the leader that you want to be in so that you can develop the brand that you want to have as somebody who inspires and again, provides that psychological safety that's so critical for each one of your teammates. For me, it's all about connection. I think the connection is important. Sometimes we forget about that. Like we all have to show up. We all have, well, we all have our own hopes and dreams and all that good stuff. But you know, if I'm not feeling supported or if I'm not feeling like I'm getting what I need, then, you know, my engagement in, in a role is only going to be so much. Right. Um, last year, unfortunately, fortunately, whatever we had a show on it, but you know, my, uh, I live in Cape Coral, Florida, and we were hit by Hurricane Ian, and it just parked over my house for nine hours and um, made my life very difficult, and it was very, very sad. And you think about, well, okay, that's cool, but the people that I connect with at work are really important. Those connections are super important to me. And then for a very short period of, or for a period of time, it they were gone, like gone. Like I couldn't call anybody, no internet or whatever. It was just really, really bad. But I remember uh, a VP of mine who's also a mentor of mine. Um, like 48 hours, I get a text. <laughs> How are you doing? And I was like, oh my God, um, you reached out to me. That That is fantastic. And he, he's a skip level above me. And we just had a quick text message, which is all I could really do at the time, right? 
And um, I remember him saying, like, I can't imagine what you're going through. Is there anything we can do to help? And I said, you are helping so much. We have no idea what your text means to me. And he and I have a great relationship moving forward. I've learned so much from him. And I guess the challenge that I would give to anybody from a coaching perspective is, you know, I get it, right? So you don't want to get too close to your people. But those connections and those just five minutes out of your day, how are you doing? What do you, you know, and be genuine and authentic about it. Um, super duper important for psychological safety, super important for this thing called engagement. So I think that's great. Um, be, before, uh, before we start to wrap things up, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to go ahead and Kelly, is there anything that is really important to you that you wanted to talk about tonight, but you haven't had the opportunity to address yet? That's a great question. I think we actually kind of just covered uh, it in our uh, last part of the conversation. And it's funny because it, it, the concept around building your brand and the concept around uh, thinking about the type of leader that you want to be, uh, to be able to provide that for your teammates, but also to know what it is that you want to look for in your leaders. When you move into roles, you know, people stay in jobs because of their leaders and people leave their jobs because of their leaders. And that feels like a lot of pressure. And uh, so what I would say is interview your leader when you're going into the role, get to know them well and make sure that they can give you what you need, right? They can give you the feedback and the advisory stuff, but they can also foster a space for you that uh, where you can be open and you can work on leadership development with them. And uh, I think that also is telling for the culture that they have for the broader team is coaching and development of partners and peers and direct reports. Is that part of that group's coach culture? And if it's not, is that where you want to be? Right. Because if your goal is to stay long-term and your goal is to grow, go where that growth is. Go where there's going to be somebody that's going to help you with that. And if you get there and you find out that they're not, then that's an opportunity for you to build some leadership courage and have that conversation and find external mentors and coaches that can help you in the meantime. Awesome stuff. Oh, great, good stuff. Um, so good. It's excellent. So good. Kelly, could you do us a favor? Could you let our audience know how they can get a hold of you and um, uh, drink more of the great stuff that you have to offer uh, with them? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Callie-Foster, um, or you can email me at coaching at CallieFoster.com. Um, if you're not familiar with coaching practices, if you want to be a great coach for, you know, the team that you're leading, um, reach out to me. I'd love to help. Uh, you know, I, that's where I'm dedicated now after all of my wild years of learning and development experience. And I just want to help. So reach out. That's right, everybody. Reach out to Kelly. She's awesome. Um, I can vouch for her. She's an amazing leader, and you will get great stuff from her. Thanks for being on the show, Kelly. We really appreciate it. Daniel-san. Yes, Scott. Could you do us a solid? Could you let everybody know how they could get a hold of us? Yeah, I guess I can do that. 
All right, party people. If you haven't already, email us at nerds at thelearningnerds.com. Email us any questions you may have. Talk to us about your experiences with coaching, good and bad. We'd love to hear about it. If you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds. For all of our Instagram peeps, Fab Learning Nerds. And lastly, for more information about us, what we do, and updates, www.thelearningnerds.com. Scott? Thanks, Dan. Hey, everybody. Could you do me a favor? Do me a rock solid. Will you go ahead and hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, share this amazing, this is a great show, fantastic show. Share it with your friends. Wherever you saw the post, wherever you got this episode, share it with somebody that needs it. And guess what? We all need coaching. All of us do. So share that out. Do me another favor. Could you go ahead and leave us a review either on iTunes or Stitcher? Love the show. Want to hear about it. Hate the show. Want to hear about it how the algorithm works the more people tell us how good or how bad we are more people are going to find this amazing stuff we'd really appreciate it and with that i'm scott i'm dan i'm zeta i'm callie and we're your fabulous learning nerds and we are out thanks for listening to the fabulous learning nerds You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com BE.